Support for Jazzed About Work comes from Ohio University's online master's degree in sustainability, security, and resilience. Does your organization or community have a workable plan for when a catastrophe strikes? This 18-month online degree program will give you the skills you need to prepare for, respond to, and recover from natural disasters and other crises. Participants earn three stackable certificates in community risk and resilience, change management and leadership, and planning resilient systems leading to a full master's degree. Students learn cutting-edge skills in sustainability assessment and entrepreneurship, sustainable agriculture, energy policy, and more. This is an exciting growing field, and no GRE test is required to apply. For more information, follow the link in the description on this podcast. Hello, everyone, and welcome to Jazzed About Work, where we talk about everything that might have an impact on your career. I'm your host, Bev Jones author of Find Your Happy at Work, and today we'll talk about finding your happy at work even after you retire. Our guest is our good friend and WOUB colleague, Tom Hodson. Tom never did just one job at a time. His career has included years as a judge and more years teaching judges, decades as a media expert, and varied roles as an academic leader. But more than five years ago, Tom and I began a series of podcast episodes in which he shared his thoughts and anxieties about the prospect of retiring. And I sort of coached him as he explored the possibilities. Then, when COVID hit, he did suddenly retire. Tom wasn't ready to give up full-time work, and he felt isolated, and, and for a year, Tom struggled with depression. Now, however, he has put together a portfolio of meaningful activities, and Tom is enjoying this phase of life. In this episode, Tom talks frankly about his retirement path and offers tips about how you can prepare for an unretirement portfolio that gives you everything you need. Tom, thank you so much for being here again and just about work. It feels like a while since we've talked, or at least talked um, um, on a podcast about your life and what you are doing. And I'm just so grateful that you're here and, and ready to do it again. It's my pleasure. I always end up uh, saying more than I thought I would and uh, digging deeper than I thought I could. So I'm ready to go. Well, that's because I do my job. <laughs> that's but, right. This is this so is what, sort of a, a, a career uh, psychoanalysis, so I love it. <laughs> well, for people who haven't been with us from the very beginning, we have had a series of conversations about retirement and specifically how you wanted to retire from uh, your university job. And we started talking about it basically with me kind of coaching you on the air back in 2018 and 2019. 
now you are doing something that is not retirement at all, really. You created a portfolio of jobs. And I want to catch up and see how you're doing your non-retirement. But before we get into that, as I was preparing for this, I started thinking that of all the people I know, I kind of learned from you as a longtime friend about portfolio jobs because you did it. You have been a highly respected judge who at the same time was doing radio. You've been a, a university professor and leader. You've been chairman of the board of the trustees of Ohio University. Can you tell us a little bit how you always from the very beginning has have done more than one thing? Uh, you know, I think that that is because that as a professional and even in retirement, I, I I've been driven, and that can be a good thing and it can be a bad thing. But I, I'm going to talk to uh, talk about the the good part of it. I was never really satisfied with doing just one thing, and that sounds sort of flippant, but. What, what I mean by that is that I had so many interests and I, I was blessed at least with a modicum of talent in, in multiple things that I thought that it would be wrong to isolate one from another. So I was always looking for paths that I could combine uh, that made sense at, at least to me. For example, I went to journalism school as an undergraduate and and had journalism internships and had a a full intent of, of having a career in journalism. But about my junior year, I decided that I got tired of people uh, shucking and jiving me and, and giving me all kinds of BS. And so I thought I would go to law school to learn the language so I could be a, a better journalist. Well, I got entranced with the law, had a chance to practice, and then was blessed with the opportunity to become a judge at a very young age because you I were like the youngest work. judge in the history of Ohio, as I recall. I was Something the youngest like judge, elected judge in Ohio at the time. I was elected and I was 31 when I uh, uh, took the bench. Uh, and so I, I sort of did it in reverse. Usually you're a judge when you're old and gray, and I was a judge uh, at a very young age. But I thought, okay, how can I continue my journalistic enterprises, because I always wanted to do that, and and be a judge at the same time? And how could I do that ethically? So I, I started, as you said, doing radio. I, I would... Uh, I did a program called Legal Reminders, which was a, a minute uh, ninety, and one version was ninety seconds, where I would explain legal terms to the general public, and it was aired on WOUB and some of the other stations that uh, were part of uh, NPR, and and I. I really relish doing that. I did uh, over, I think, 525 or some odd number like that. But that gave me a journalistic uh, outlet, but it also advanced the law. So it was a combination of law and, and journalism, which I loved. And then I found one other aspect uh, of that, 
And that was um, also looking at judges and their relationship with media. And I found very quickly the judges had a terrible relationship with media because they were afraid of media and didn't know how to handle news media. So I started teaching judges, and I started in Ohio, and I expanded to Michigan, and then I expanded clear across the country and actually some international work where I spent a lot of time as a judge teaching judges how to handle media. And so that was another uh, combin- combination. Um, all of that was w- was wonderful, and then I got my chance to go to the U.S. Supreme Court and and work there uh, for for a year, and that was a tremendous experience. But I had to come back and and go back into the practice of law. And about 2001, I decided that I've been there, done that. I was tired of the practice of law. And so I looked at academic life. And uh, Marietta College had an opening for a director of their school of journalism, their media department. So I applied and was was selected for that. Uh, And then that expanded to being able to go to Ohio University and lead the journalism program there for seven years. So in that job, I got to combine. It was sort of strange because I got to combine all of the skills I had as a judge, a decision maker and a mediator to situations with faculty and university politics. So I was applying all of my law talents to an academic setting. And then I stayed in academic life in in various capacities. But I was really sort of hired as a problem solver in in two of my uh, university iterations. And that combined my law and and uh, my uh, judge skills, judicial skills. And and then uh, I was housed in the journalism school. So it was a great way of combining everything. And I'm still looking to combine those, those talents. Uh, you know, university administration is a whole different world. Than it was like <laughs> learning a whole yes, new language. Yes, it's changed a lot. Yeah. So about... Well, let's see. This podcast started in 2017. We started right. doing Jazzed About Work. And it was really pretty soon after that that you and I started talking regularly again about all kinds of things, including projects we were doing at WOUB. And we started talking about what retirement would be. And by retirement, it didn't mean stopping things. It meant stopping having a full-time job at Ohio University in addition to a whole lot of other things. And from the beginning, I think you were, oh, not worried about it. You knew you would figure out good things, but you had a sense of loss of leaving the university and full-time work and thinking about what you would be without having, you've had so many jobs always. There was emotion around it, not just the excitement about new things. Isn't that right? Yeah, there there was always movement, and, and that was very important, but it was also addictive. Uh, and I knew that I was going to sort of lose that 
professional uh, adrenaline. Um, and f quite frankly, uh, my experience was that when people retired, they died. You know, that was it. Yeah. You know, they, I had so many friends, so many relatives, uh, family acquaintances that, you know, they retired and within a year or two, they were dead because they just sort of gave up and, and, and didn't do anything and, and sat on their butts and, and did nothing. And I did not want that, but I had that fear in, in my brain of that's what retirement could look like. And I did not want that. So I know I reached out to you and said, how do I do this? And, and what do I do? I, I don't want the daily grind of getting up at a certain time and, and going into the office, which, you know, is not the norm now, but it was then. I, I don't want that, but I still want to stay connected. But you know, Bev, the, the one thing that I had difficulty with and still do is that when I was in the job, whatever job it was, I had the, the ability to make decisions and I had the ability to make the final decision and ah, I had yes. the ability to say yes or no. And in all of the areas that I still had interests in, in retirement, I don't have that ability anymore. That's a huge adjustment. I has, have to ask permission. And I don't say that meanly. You know, it, it's not my right. You know, it, other people have the right to make those decisions now. But I miss that authority. And it's sometimes uncomfortable for me to have to ask permission. I, ha I have to admit, it's, that's an uncomfortable part that still remains. Well, what we talked about, I, I think not so much about that. Um, that was, I think a lot of people that I've talked to or coached have been really surprised about how much they miss being the boss. They didn't realize how much it had been part of the fun of their job. But um, as we, as you looked ahead, we started talking about, okay, what are the activities associated with all of your many pieces of your career? What are the activities that you really enjoy the most? And how can you keep doing the the fun kinds of activities, the things that are meaningful and, and enjoyable. And how do you create something that's not retirement? It's really a portfolio of jobs and interest, and maybe you get paid something here and there, but it's more about just what gets your motor running, right? Right, right. Uh, and hey, so no, I, I, we, we talked about it in theory at first. Yes. <laughs> And I was in, I was fearful that nothing would come out. And then along came COVID, and all of a Isolation. sudden you had a, a, it, a just things moved very quickly, right? Yeah, I, I, I 
retired during COVID and talk about uh, a feeling of loss and isolation. Uh, you know, I'm not one for big retirement parties or things like that, but it was like, okay, I'm, I'm not going to work anymore. You know, <laughs> there was nothing, yes. there was no closure at all. And so I went through probably a, at least a good year of just feeling isolated and sort of lost uh, without pulling everything together and not, but it also gave me a chance to sort of analyze what I was missing and what I needed to have going forward to make my retirement uh, meaningful to me. So tell us about what you have created. What are the changes that you've made as you kind of Part, partly was COVID and everybody was isolated. It was so hard oh, to do horrible. new things. But what, since 1920, 21, what have you done to create a different kind of life? Well, I, I, one of the things I, I think, Bev, and, and I don't know whether I got this from you, I probably did as, as a tip, was, was to analyze what I'm missing and what I need. To feel, yeah. to feel satisfied. And what came to me was that I need really two things. I need a voice. And I need that voice to be able to be heard by multiple people larger audiences than just a, you know, a small social group. I need to be able to speak my mind or convey ideas or thoughts to a much larger audience. So how am, how am I going to do that? And also, I, I didn't want to be stagnant. I wanted to be always thinking of new ideas and new approaches and new things to do um, and new ways to go about doing them. So those were my two foundational. I need to be heard and I need always a challenge or something on the horizon. Those are the two starting blocks that, that, that I had. And I built from there. Uh, what can I continue to do uh, or, or do that allows me the, those things? And, you know, hosting, continuing to host, cast, uh, host my podcast uh, Spectrum uh, with Adam Rich's help, uh, you know, I that gives me a voice. I can interview interesting people. I can interview stimulating people. I can interview people who are making a difference in the world, and and that is that's important. That gives me a, a voice to a wide audience, and I want to continue that as long as I can. That is really my lifeline. the The other thing is that. I, I wanted to help people have a voice, 
And this comes to me having a voice and uh, a challenge. And so I become a board member for the uh, a local nonprofit news organization in, in Athens, Ohio, called the Athens County Independent. And we're trying to raise money, uh, put an organization together to bring hyper-local uh, news in, in a news desert uh, community. And so that has really stimulated me to giving a, a voice and also applying some of my administrative skills and certainly a challenge. We've survived now longer than a year, which is uh, really met a, a goal of ours. And so uh, that was a challenge. And the third area is always thinking of something new. How do, how, what can I do to do something that's new and different to combine those two things of having a voice. And, and uh, so I'm, I'm now working uh, with Adam and others to, to come up with a, a way to, again, translate legal terms. We have all of these Trump trials. We have all of this litigation going on. The legacy press doesn't do a very good job, I, I don't think, of explaining the legal process. They, they, they report these things like athletic contests. Uh, and so how can I use my voice, whether it's in print or whether it's in audio, how can I get the, that across to translate these terms to people so people understand the process better? So I'm working on that. And then the other thing I tossed in to, to take me away from, from that is drawing. Uh, I, I draw cartoon characters. I draw all kinds of things that come into my head and out of my head. And that gives me uh, pleasure. I'm not a professional, but I work at it and I'm getting better at it. And that gives me a great deal of satisfaction. But all of that, Bev, comes back to your seed of what's meaningful to you. What what what's that? And having a voice, making a difference, and uh, facing challenges—those were the three things. Well, you're doing a lot. I know. I've been. I hear some of your podcasts, but I, I know you're connected with other judges and as well as nonprofit news. And right. um, it's it's really fun to watch you continue to be an innovator. One of the things you and I talked about, and I almost. We didn't argue, but we didn't always exactly agree. And <laughs> um, some of the podcasts that were talking about career is networking. As you know, I am a big advocate of always building your circle and of connection. And you're so good at it. You're so good at and, it. And, and it's um, whether it's for your career or just for your life, it, I, I think people are social animals and opportunities come with having a diverse circle around you. Now, you always have said over the years that you hate networking, you don't want to do it. But the fact is you're really good at it. And it's because you're a good networker. I think some of the things that have been opportunities for you over the years have come about. So my question for you, um, is 
Oh, boy. Are you consciously networking or does it just happen organic? Or what's your feeling today about the importance of networking in the non-retirement phase of life? Oh, I still hate people. Uh, No. (laughs) (laughs) No. I don't don't really mean that. Uh, My wife and I, Jan and I, moved uh, this past year from Athens, Ohio, which had been my home my entire adult life. It was her home from birth. Uh, And we moved to Plymouth, Massachusetts. Um, That was a good thing to shake me out of my cocoon. In, in, Ah. uh, In a small town, a university community, as you said, I was chairman of the board of trustees. People all knew me from some kind of work, whether I represented them, whether I sentenced their brother as a judge, whether I wrote a story about them, <laughs> you know, they, they knew me. And so I had had enough of that. I mean, going to the local supermarket and having people come up to you and you didn't know where you had met them and you were trying to <laughs> say, oh, nice to see you. You know, <laughs> you don't yeah, know what you yeah. did with them. Uh, you know, <laughs> that got a bit much. And so I isolated, I, I pulled in. But when you move to a new community, uh, at least I was forced to break out of that a little bit. So we've got to know our neighbors. Uh, my wife is so much better at this than I am. And she is she such a good networker. And she drags me along, and, and that's fine. She has permission to do that. But but we're getting to, to, to know like-minded people here, really smart people here, uh, people who, uh, you know, have energy and are doing things. And so – that has helped. I, 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 if you call that networking, I guess it is because uh, it is. We it's we've connecting. reached out. We've reached out and brought a a group of people together of of like politics, so that we can commiserate or plan what we could do here locally uh, to to uh, advance our our political uh, agenda. Yeah, I wouldn't have done that back home, uh, and so uh, I, I'm I'm doing that now. So a part of it was forced, but yes, I'm getting out. You know, working on the the nonprofit news has really forced me to get out too. I've talked to so many people uh, about the different ways of going about doing things and and pitfalls and and potholes to watch out for. Uh, all of that ha- has has been important, and uh, believe it or not, my drawing has has expanded my network. It, 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 that's going to sound very strange. How is that? Uh, yeah. Well, I I occasionally post my drawings on 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 Facebook, and and I do it differently than oh here's something I drew. Look at it and tell me how great it is. Um, if people want to do that, that'd be fine. But uh, that's not my intent to do it. 
it, instead, I, I put something on there, and uh, whether it's a cartoon situation or a cartoon character or a, a, any kind of drawing, and I open it up to people, and I say, you know, it's it's creative time now. I want you to post your caption for this person, what this person's saying, their thought bubble, you know, the little things that go above their heads, the, what they might be thinking, and or the person's backstory. What, what brought this person to this situation, whether it's a gloom situation, a party situation, whatever the situation, what brought them there? What's their backstory? And so I ask people to work in the creative process with me to oh, make great. this character come to life. And so I get posts from all kinds of people that I didn't expect, uh, you know, very, very nominal acquaintances sometimes, people that I went to high school with that I haven't seen in 50, 60 years, you know, have, have joined in this. And people are immensely creative. And so by my drawing, I'm giving other, which is a creative outlet for me, I'm giving other people a chance to be creative and, and to, to put their creative uh, chops uh, on the line. It's just wonderful. I have a great time with that. So that's expanding my network uh, as well. And I, it's a way I don't have to do it face-to-face with somebody. I still have some anxiety. <laughs> well, all right. Here, here's one more thing that we have talked about over the years. Um, I think as we create retirement um, activities um, and starting with maybe, you know, quite early in life, maybe in in your 50s uh, or 40s, part of being at your best and being your most creative um, and your most um, uh, at the the top of your decision-making ability Things go better if you build an exercise that our bodies, our minds, our spirits, they're all connected. And I, I, I do think, although I'm not a person who naturally loves exercise, I've been trying to keep it up over the years, no matter what. It's not easy for me, but I've kind of preached that a little bit too. You've been more cynical, I think, about that. Um, how, as you're now in this phase and you have a little more time, has that been become one of the things that you're doing as part of your unretirement? I'm trying. I'm trying. Ah. Uh, the, the, I get up in the morning and the morning cup of coffee and the computer call to me in a very mm-hmm. strong way. <laughs> and so I have a tendency to do that first. Now I have been trying to to walk in, and uh, my wife's better at all of this than than I am, and so she she's trying to force me into doing more exercise than than uh, I do. But but let me tell you that one thing that uh, has expanded my my physical stamina 
uh, we moved close to my daughter and her family, and we have a five-year-old granddaughter. And she comes to visit uh, our home uh, routinely. And some days when she's out of school, because both my my daughter and her husband work, we're the child care givers, uh, gladly and voluntarily. But trying to run after a five-year-old for yeah. an entire day is more exercise than I would <laughs> ever anticipate. And, oh, that's and great. And it, it, it does. It keeps me moving. You know, I'm up and down on the off the floor uh, doing things on the floor like when I was a kid, and it takes me a while to get up. But, I, you know, all of that goes into a, an exercise sort of a lifestyle of exercise. Now, can I do more? Absolutely. Uh, should I do more? Yes. Will I do more? I hope so. Um, but it, we have not been as religious about it as I know you and your husband have been. Well, I feel like I'm always, it's kind of Sisyphus. I'm always going up the hill and then falling back down. This is just how <laughs> it works. Uh, but yeah, um, it, we were chatting earlier, you and I, before we started recording about my mother, who lived to be 103, and right up until her 103rd birthday, she um, she sometimes had to use a walker because she had a bit of arthritis, but she was mentally active, she was painting, she was energetic, and I think the reason, or one reason she was so active so long is that she was a lifelong gardener and um, stayed in her um, own home with a garden until she was almost 100 and gardened every day and, you know, carrying rocks and buckets and all kinds of things. So I, um, I think that that I have that vision in my mind. For her, it was natural, and she loved it. For me, I'm kind of like you. You know, I just keep making myself do it because I saw what it's like to to have a, a parent who is um, so energetic and healthy at an advanced age. So that's that's sort of where um, I'm coming from on that. But I I, I, I think that I it's, it's glad to see you're on the path. Well, I'm on the path, but but. I, yeah, I, I know this is overly simplistic, but Jana and I talk uh, a lot about this, and that is, as you get older, just keeping moving. And I was thinking yes. of that as you were describing your mother. If you just keep moving, you know, we see so many of people our age who you know, look and act a lot older than we do because they're sedentary. They just sit. All the time, they sit in front of the TV or they do nothing. But we're yeah. constantly active. So even if you don't have an existing uh, exercise regimen necessarily, as long as you keep moving, I think you're in good shape. Yeah, I think that's right. That's part of our practice. And, of course, we have a, a very active 
um, Labrador Retriever puppy. Yeah. And I'll tell you, <laughs> <They have laughs> I've forgotten. It's been a while since we had a puppy. But, you know, those are the things. In fact, my mother used to say to me, you have to keep active every day. You just have to keep moving. And, and uh, I, I saw it work for her. Well, I appreciate your honesty as always. I think I've got that, a question. Um, do you have oh, time yes, for a yes. question? Yeah, okay. yeah, you do. Okay. So um, it just by happenstance, I guess, uh, I, I got recommended for a job uh, just a few weeks ago. And the job paid pretty well, and it was remotely, and, and I could have done it without leaving here. And um, I was told by someone in the know that I was one of the top finalists uh, for this job. Uh, I turned it down. I withdrew. I, I said I don't want it. And honest to God, Bev, I think it was the first time I've ever withdrawn from anything. Uh because I've always wanted the next job, the next challenge, yeah. the next next rung on the ladder. Uh, and it was a strange feeling. I had mixed feelings about it. Part of me said, okay, you're doing the right thing, because you know if you would have been selected, you would have taken it. And if you had taken it, it would have become your life. And you would have had to give up all these other things in your portfolio and concentrate just on this. Do you want to do that? And it was the first time I said, no, I don't want to do that. But it was a weird feeling, and I'm still processing it. You know, giving up the opportunity um, to, to have a really important job and to take on another challenge and having people think that at my age I can do that and I'm capable of it was a great ego boost. But I didn't let my ego get in the way of reality. And it, it, it's a strange feeling. And do you have, I'm sure you have clients that go through that. What do you advise them? I'm, I'm still struggling with it. Well, we go back to something that you mentioned earlier. I I think it's good to keep some lists. What are your strengths? What are the things that you don't like have in your life and you'd like to have? What are things going on in your life that you don't want to have? It's good to kind of through journaling or I, I think probably drawing whatever it is that keeps you reflective. It's always good to have a checklist, a checklist of what you want your life to be so that you have a measurement because it, when, when opportunities come along, it's always kind of flattering and you kind of want to do it, even if you don't want to do it. And so right. if you have, if you have something to measure your life by and remind yourself of the things that matter. Things um, like being able to spend a whole day with your granddaughter, things like that kind of go on your list. I think it's um, much easier 
to make the hard decision to give something up. But I, I think it's just human nature to um, have mixed feelings whenever you turn down a, an attractive opportunity. It's, um, it's just, you know, it's hard to give up something that feels kind of rich and interesting. But it also um, it shows we really are grown up when we can do that and we can choose what we actually want and not the next shiny object. Oh, man, at 75, I've actually grown up, but... <laughs> <laughs> Pretty close. <laughs> but but I, I, I still feel that, that it, it, it was because the job was, and I was being recruited because it was a problem-solving job, and all of my administrative jobs have been problem-solving jobs in, in my history. Uh, it was like, okay... This, could this be the cherry on top? Is it, is this what I'm really? Do I really need this to make my career complete? And then you know, it, when you look at it, I I know I would have been consumed twenty four seven. I wouldn't have had time for these other other things. And, and what would have happened is then sooner or later you'd leave that and you'd you would not have all this infrastructure. You wouldn't have all of these good habits. You wouldn't have um, your circle of connections. You you would be kind of potentially like your friends who who came to a, a full stop and didn't know what yeah. to do and you wouldn't have had the freedom to spend some years rebuilding. Well, I'm... Uh, so, Thank you for that that advice because it's it's been gnawing at me uh, and and I have not been able to resolve it. So thank you for for helping me out with that. I'm sure there are people out there who are are in the same spot where they think that they've given up their career and then something comes along uh, and and what what to do with that you know you manage that very well and and uh, i i'm going to bring your husband in he manages that very well he's he's got multiple things going on uh but he doesn't go for the shiny object either we both took um retirement status from our big careers, kind of the big dominant careers of our lives, and made the choice to come up with a portfolio of things that are meaningful to us. Um, some things have been like work for pay, and lots of things have been nonprofit or just for fun. For So since we've been doing created our lives this way for a while, we've both sometimes heard the kind of the siren song of somebody trying to have us consider another job, you know, another uh, totally consuming job. And in retrospect, boy, I'm glad we were able to say no. <laughs> that's one, that's one word that's been difficult for me professionally from the get go is to say yeah. no and maybe that comes with age and maybe we're just maybe I'm just tired but but you know the, that ability is 
I think wise for young people to have that ability is that, you know, in their 30s or 40s to say no, you know, it'd be much better served than wait till their 60s or 70s. Yeah. And and whether you're um, an employee or you have, you're somebody who has clients or um, you're um, looking about job possibilities, whatever it is, it's a really great habit to ask yourself, when somebody asks you to take on a task, offers an opportunity, if you say yes, what will you have to say no to? Because you can't do everything. Oh, and that's interesting. On I what hadn't you're thought of it up. that way. Yeah. So focus on what you're giving up and, and balance that uh, with what you might be gaining and and. It gets easier with time. You know, if you've done it once or twice, you have a firmer grasp of all the good things that you would have to give up if you made a shift. One thing else. Yes. Go ahead. No, I was I was going to say I I am kind of proud of you. I'm impressed (laughs) that you um, you have made a a big transition in. Um, and a lot of fresh starts. And um, you, I do recall a few years ago, you were really kind of struggling with this. And, and you, you're on the depressed. other side of it now. Yeah, you were. Yeah. I, and now I've, I've, you're energetic. I've made it through. And, yeah. and I think that building a portfolio that you talked about is, is, was so important to me. To, to, to building in options, to building in things that went to my heart my uh, heart of having a voice and and having challenges and and you know coming to those fundamental questions was so important and once i did that i could see to the other side and it's it it's really worked out well thank you so much for your advice because um you know, you, you've been a mentor all my life, but you've been a, a coach for the last few years. And what you said really helped. What what was important? that And coming to those two questions was essential for me in getting through. Well, I'm so glad things are working out so well. And I hope our listeners um, can um, benefit from your success and kind of coming through the tough part of retirement and creating a pretty wonderful uh, new portfolio of activity. And thank you so much, Tom, as always, for being honest and and frank and blunt so that we can kind of share the journey and hopefully help other people who are uh, anticipating the, the same kind of questions. The journey's not over. And as always, Bev, thank you so much for talking with me. I really appreciate it. Okay, well, let's do it again soon. All right. Today, we've been talking with Tom Hodson about creating a portfolio career instead of a traditional retirement. This podcast is produced by WOUB Public Media. Adam Rich is our audio engineer. I'm your host, Beverly Jones, author of Find Your Happy at Work. And our sponsor is the Voinovich School of Leadership and Public Service at Ohio University. Today's tip is that if you're thinking about a career change, start by thinking about the best parts of your current job 
and not just the things you don't like. Thanks for listening, and if you enjoyed today's show, please come back soon. Thank you.